Warren Bond and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 7, March 10th, 2016 features Meredith Hackleman presenting Don't Call Me a Refugee, exploring a thousand years of colonization, displacement, and war on the Silk Road. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. What I decided to do for today is uh, on my last night, um, I interviewed one of my friends that I made while I was there. He's a young Syrian man, just 27. And um, he just told me his story. Um, so you're going to hear 59 minutes of his story while my images, there's 850 that I chose. There's a lot more. <laughs> but um, so I'm just going to let the, the thing roll and you'll hear Hossam. Um, speak because I think I, I don't know that I'll have another opportunity to share his story with anybody um, so I just wanted to take this opportunity and then we can talk afterwards if people still have the uh, interest and if you have to leave don't worry just go ahead and leave and thank you so much for being here as soon as he starts talking um, okay, I'll sit down <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't want to make anything uncomfortable. I just, I just, if you want to share anything about your story or what's going on with you right now, um, you know, that's all. I, what you feel like talking about. I don't want to grill you about anything. I just, uh, you know. So it's to, to talk okay? a little about myself and then. What like I'm doing are, here. Yeah, who yeah. you are, what, why are you here, where you came from, anything you wanted to share about home, getting here. Yeah, yeah. any of it. If you don't want to be a where you're from, what you want to do, what you've done, I mean, anything from what you want to do. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I mean, just looking at what we just looked at, I mean, that was incredibly emotional for me. I can't imagine what it's like when it brings you and how things are represented, even like so refugee crisis, if that's you're over it, you know, hearing it. Or yeah, I can't talk about it, but I don't know if it's okay for you. <laughs> yeah, no, we want to know. It's like the experiences that I had before in Syria. Or... Yeah, whatever you want to share. It will take long time. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going so I think I prefer to ask some questions and to just to know, uh, like I to, to just have a clear idea what I'm talking about, like which subject. So you start with a question and I just answer. So you want specific questions? Yeah. Why did you leave um, Aleppo? Uh, I left Aleppo in, in the end of 2012 because uh, there were a, pro a problem for me and for, uh, for the people who are like me studying in university. 
because uh, in Syria there is uh, a military service and if we are studying we have to postpone the service. Every year we have to get a paper from the school that we are to prove that we are studying. So we will take it, pay some money and then they will postpone one year for us. And if we stopped or failed in the, in the school for two, two years uh, continually, uh, we have, they will force us to, to serve uh, the army. So at that time when uh, the war started in 2012, at the end of 12, when they started fighting and uh, the free army began, began at that time, they, the checkpoints inside the cities, they started just stopping the, the people and uh, check them. And even the students who, who, are, who have these papers saying that we, we are in school studying, we postpone the military service, they will, uh, they will, yeah, split the, the military service uh, book and they just take these uh, students to, to the army. Uh, at that time, I was, I left the house going to, at that day I was going to my shop and then uh, they stopped me, the checkpoint, and a soldier came, he took my ID, my phone, and he said, okay, just wait. He looked into the ID and my, my mother's last name was uh, the same last name of, uh, of a leader in the free army. So he asked me, do you know this person? I said, no, I don't. And they said, why, how you don't know? It's the same family of your mother. I said, okay, this is big family. And I don't know all of them. Also my mother, she doesn't know all of them. Anyway, he, he took the idea and my phone and he went inside the building. Uh, I was standing there for almost six hours just waiting and I didn't know what will happen to me or maybe he will take me or leave me, I don't know. But uh, I was lucky because uh, one of our neighbors in the same uh, neighborhood was passing the, the checkpoint and he saw me and he said, what's going on? He was in a car. I told him, uh, this is what happened, I don't know. And uh, he said, okay, I will call your brother. So he called my brother and then he came with some people. He, he had uh, some uh, connections. So they came and they, they just got my ID and my phone. And after that, I, I had to leave Aleppo. So after that, I went to the free areas uh, in the like, northern Aleppo. Uh, I stayed there for almost three months. It was very, it was very hard. Uh, yeah, it was the beginning of uh, the bombing from the regime side. 
they were attacking all of the villages there. Uh, every day, hundreds of people dying. It was like the people used to to the number. Like every day, we were just waiting. Okay, now the people who died are 120. Uh, the next day, 130. The third day, and it kept continuing like this. Uh, yeah, it was dangerous. I was crazy. I I I didn't think carefully about myself at that time. Uh, I had some friends who were uh, working as uh, a cameraman who just following the free army, filming the, the, the fight between the regime and the free army, taking photos, uh, like just filming everything that is happening there. Uh, I had I them for two months and then I, I, I went to Antakya in Turkey because my brother left also and he went there with his wife. Uh, I stayed in Antakya for six months and I couldn't stay longer because I had no job. And uh, after that, I heard from some friends that uh, there is a city became free of uh, the regime's control. Uh, so I decided to go there because they told me everything is good, it's, it's better than uh, the other cities. So I just, uh, also I went to Aleppo first to the free areas. Also, I stayed there for one month or two, and then I went to Raqqa in, uh, uh, in June 2013. Uh, and the city became free in March, so it was three months after the, the war ended in, in Raqqa. Uh, I went there, it was very nice, like uh, we felt a little bit uh, the freedom there, uh, like we were going in the streets, demonstrating, shouting and carrying the flags, uh, painting the walls in the city, uh, cleaning because after the bombing and the war, most of the city services went out, so we were trying to do something to help the people, to organize some, like, uh, you know, we started this, it's, uh, it's like youth gathering, uh, it's called uh, the, uh, the free youth, uh, uh, in Raqqa. So we were big groups going every day into the streets, cleaning, uh, hiring some uh, people to just uh, stand uh, uh, near the traffic lights, organizing the traffics. Uh, yeah, 
and also uh, contacting with the doctors who were our friends to to come and to help uh, the hospitals there. Uh, yeah, that's it. It was uh, better than Aleppo or other cities because there there were electricity, water. Uh, the people started coming back to their city after they they fled. So it was calm a little bit. So I decided to open another shop there. Uh, I opened a retail shop like the same what I had in Aleppo before. Uh, it's a shop for women clothes. I I was coming to, I was going to Istanbul buying the, the clothes and then bring, bring them back to there. Because, you know, after what happened in the borders, when Turkey opened the borders for us, it was much easier than before. Before there were customs and it was very difficult to bring anything from outside. Uh, so I stayed there working in the shop nine months or more than that. Uh, after that, ISIS uh, started a war with the other uh, groups of uh, free army. And they took over the city after 12 days of war. Uh, in that 12 days, they cut off the electricity, there were no water, there were nothing. And all of the people, they were just hiding at home, staying, just waiting for what what will happen after. So at the end, we woke up, we saw the black flags and uh, the masked men running in the streets. Uh, they started painting the over the, the paintings that we did before, were like, you know, there is two flags started in the revolution. One is for the regime and one we, we came up with it uh, for the revolution. So we were painting the revolution flag and after that they just painted flag with uh, the Islamic slogans and this kind of things. Uh, for the first month, it was okay. They didn't say anything to, to the people. They were maybe organizing themselves or... I don't know. So after that, they started uh, sharing the rules and what we, what's for, uh, forbidden and what's not. Uh, the first things they did is... Uh, no smoking, no music. The women must uh, wear this black things. Uh, also about our shops, they they forced us to to cover the mannequins, the head, the heads of the mannequins. We covered them, and after they said, no, you have to take them out. Any t-shirt with a, a picture, it's forbidden. Yeah, it was very bad. 
and every time we walk in the street, like close to any square, because all of the squares it became just square for squares for execution. Uh, so every time you walk by any square, you will find one person got executed and they left him in the street or hanging uh, their hands into like uh, something in the square. Uh, yeah, they started this just to, to scare the people. If you don't follow the rules, there is a punishment after. Uh, yeah, after that, like they came to my show a lot, and they started asking because I'm uh, for like for me I was a foreigner in that city. I'm not from the city. And uh, there were uh, an Armenian girl working in the in the shop at that time, and she was wearing also the niqab and everything. <laughs> so one day they came into the shop, but not a man. They were women with guns, and I was doing some accounting maybe behind my desk. And uh, the, the girl that she was working, she was uh, without niqab. And they saw her and then they asked me, is she muhram? You know, muhram is... Uh, yeah, they asked her, is he muhram for you? Muhram is uh, because they said in Islam it's forbidden for a woman to, to move alone. They, uh, she must uh, be with... Uh, a brother or husband or father, they call it mahram. Yeah, so she told me, are you mahram? I said, no. Why? And they said, it's forbidden for you to be in the same place. And then after that, they forced me to, to leave the shop. And she was working uh, by herself alone. And I just put a chair in front of the shop and sat outside. And uh, when uh, when they will come, I says, people, uh, I was just letting the the woman go inside the shop, not the men. And all the time I was just standing there watching them. If one of the guys will will go inside, I will just call him and say, okay, just sit with me because this shop is for women, not for men. I was doing the same with them. It was crazy because I was smoking in the shop and yeah, one day one, one of them, he's from T Tunis and uh, he, he had, uh, he was injured so he, he was, uh, it was difficult for him to, to climb the stairs, there, there were three stairs to enter the shop. So I noticed that there is someone trying to open the door. I turned off the music. It was crazy stuff. <laughs> maybe if he found, like if he saw me, maybe I'm not here now. So anyway, after that I decided to leave. I, I sold everything in the shop. 
like as a wholesale and then I left. I went directly to Istanbul. I came to Istanbul in the beginning of 2014 and I'm here now for almost two years. Yeah. No, at that time I couldn't. Yeah, because there's uh, many checkpoints for different groups of armies, and you don't know who are they. Maybe they will be for the regime, maybe for ISIS, maybe. Uh, I was just going to Turkey and come back through the other border close to Orfa. Uh, it was. It was okay because all of them, they were ISIS, and, you know, I was living there at the end, you know, the last two months when I was there with them. Uh, we were just following the rules. Like, at home, nobody is seeing what I'm doing at home. But outside, I have to have a long beard uh, and to not wear crazy stuff like normal jeans and normal shirt or t-shirt. Uh, I have to go to the mosque five times a day. They pay attention to that? Yeah, we have to close the shop for the five times a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but after I left uh, that city, I, I didn't uh, go back there. And I saw my family when they came to Turkey after three years. Uh, yeah. Are they still living there? No, they left. They left uh, three months ago. My parents, but my brothers and my sister, they they left long time ago. Yeah, when I came to Istanbul, I was uh, working as an exporter just exporting some clothes to Algeria and Palestine because my brother also moved with his mo his wife to to Algeria. Uh, he started his uh, own business there and I was helping, helping him. But after I stopped, uh, I, I made some f new friends. Uh, they, they introduced me to one of the... Like they started uh, a cultural center, it was the first two months that they were started. Uh, I liked what they were doing. Who's this? So I was going every day, just spending some time meeting new people. Uh, so I kept going and uh, I became part of, of the group. Uh, there were some language classes, some workshops, uh, like uh, movie night every Friday, some uh, art workshops, music. Uh, that it was on maybe June or July, 2014, yeah. So I continued with them 
until the end of 2014, and then we registered as to to become an official NGO in Turkey. Uh, we moved to another place. Uh, we yeah, the the work started to be more. Uh, more serious, not just like, okay, just uh, meeting people or something. It became a, a real job for me. Okay, it was volunteering, but uh, I was going there every day, like from the morning till the end of the day. Uh, we, I was one of the managers there, and... Uh, for uh, the Syrian and uh, Palestinian Syrian refugees um, to help them with uh, the language, Turkish, English, and there were Arabic for the foreigners. Uh, we ran uh, journalism workshops, uh, uh, photography, art, uh, like and also it was, uh, there were three months workshop every three months for the kids, the refugee kids. Um, like we are not psychosocial supporters, but it was for us just to have fun with these kids because uh, we, we registered them in the Turkish schools. Uh, so they have Saturday and Sunday as a weekend, free time. So they were coming to, to our center, uh, have some uh, programs, like drawing, playing, uh, taking them uh, for a picnic every Sunday. Uh, yeah, just to have fun with them. Uh, we did one of these... Uh, workshops like three months it was every three months uh, one of the three months it was a theater workshop I did it with uh, one uh, actor also he's Syrian so we just uh, like we did some uh, symbol uh, stuff about the theater it's like uh, some movements and uh, uh, like games, uh, like silent games and uh, mimicking. Um, yeah, and it was very nice, like to be with kids. <laughs> For me, before I, I didn't imagine that one day I will work with kids, but. Uh, I don't know, it was different for me. From 6 to 13, 12, 13. Yeah, they were mixed. Yeah, till now they're still coming. Like for almost maybe for two years, the, most of them, they, they continued uh, coming to, to this place. Because we we had uh, we got to know each other, so they started to trust us, and uh, 
they they feel comfortable with us. Yeah. yeah. But there is more. Like uh, now, there is extra kids coming. Like when I was there, they were mostly 10 to 15. No, I think Can you repeat your question? No, I think not everything is uh, Like there's a lot of kids, but there's a few, a few places they give, uh, they help them. So, like this place, you know how many refugees now in, in Turkey, like for more than two million. And there's a lot of kids. And this place was welcoming just maybe 10 to 20 kids, and it's not enough, of course. And uh, also, it's hard to cover all of Istanbul, but uh, like, yeah, it must be more more places to help them, and especially with the education. Um, Okay. Uh, <laughs> I I stopped working for that uh, NGO because I had opportunity to continue my study in the US. So I stopped just to focus on my studies, to to work uh, on my English and study for the TOEFL. Uh, and doing some uh, intensive courses to to be able to attend the U.S. schools and understand what's going there, with the, understand the professors who are speaking English. So I have to get the skills, how to take notes with them, and uh, yeah, to just um, uh, yeah improve the English. But anyway, after four months of studying, I we faced some problems, so I I didn't get the, let's say let's call it scholarship. Uh, I think it was financial problem. Yeah, I was planning to study art in New York. So after that, I. Continue with reading some books every week. Uh, uh, and then after that, after two months, three months of sitting around, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. So Chelsea was uh, planning to start uh, a project here in Istanbul for uh, to help the refugees and uh, the Turkish women enter in Istanbul. Uh, we sat down and we talked. So we. Uh, <laughs> we shared our ideas. Um, there is things missing from my part and from hers, so we put everything together and we we came up with uh, uh, a good plan to start a community center in Istanbul. Uh, we we already started doing some things like uh, meeting some families in, uh, in different areas in Istanbul uh, to know what uh, what's their needs and uh, also about the kids and the Turkish women to to just uh, have a clear idea of uh, what we have to do for them and. Uh, how we can <coughs> help them in, uh, in this community center. Uh, and we realized that uh, most of the things that they need, it was about, it is about education uh, and learning some skills that they could uh, afford the li living in Istanbul. Uh, and they could just get a normal job with uh, a good salary that they could live in with their families under uh, a flat or a house or whatever. And uh, and uh, I think to learn some uh, to learn the language and especially the Turkish to to be integrated into this society because there is a lot of them here and they must uh, be in uh, be in, in touch with the Turkish people because this is Turkey and it's uh, a big society and I think there is different people here from different cultures uh, it's not that hard to to do it but it it just need uh, the right way. So if we started with this community center offering these classes, the language, or uh, also the, the skills workshops, like for example, any, like uh, the handcraft, uh, photography, the computer skills, or any kind of these things, we could uh, help them. Uh, to like for example if they attended the classes or the workshops after they let's say three months of this workshop they will uh, they will have the skill that they could find a job after this three months uh, which is uh, in my opinion it's uh, uh, this is the goal for us to to help these people uh, to feel that they are at home 
not in uh, in exile. So, and for, there is some of them they lived in Turkey for almost maybe one or two years or three years because the war it's since five years from now. So, if there is no people helping them to integrate into this community, into this society, uh, of course they will uh, they will. Uh, risk the, their selves to to leave Turkey and to smuggle to Europe to get uh, maybe they will get uh, a better life or a normal life again. So why we don't do it in in Turkey instead of uh, risking all of these people and uh, uh, every every month there's thousands or hundreds of them dying in the sea. Uh, just to go to Europe. It's the same Europe or here, it's not that different. Everywhere is there is new language and a new culture. But uh, because there is, there is no enough people who are working to, to help the refugees to, uh, to at least learn the language, to communicate with the Turkish people, it's very difficult. In Europe there is schools, they must go to it to learn the language. It's the first thing to, for them to do. And if they, if they will not learn the language, they will, they will not be able to do anything. So here Turkey didn't do the same thing. So this is what we have to do in the community centers or what we, we call it NGOs or organizations. Uh, the, are there communities here in Turkey that are insular Syrian communities where they're really not missing a lot of people? I think there is some, yeah, there is some of them. They just work for Syrians or for Iraqis, but uh, for me it's not a good thing uh, to separate the people through their nationality. It's 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 not good, and uh, I think we have to stop calling these people refugees. Because now it's it's been years. If okay for the first two years, okay. But after five, maybe it will be ten years. If we will just it's it's became advertising or something. If every community center or every NGO will will start, they will say refugees, refugees, and it's just like you. You feel that it's something they could play with it and get money or whatever, uh, and not helping in the same thing at the same time. So why we just put these people with the Turkish people together and let them do something together, sharing the language between them, you know. Turkey, the Turkish language, it's very, uh, there's a lot of words, it's the same in Arabic and Turkish. So it's not hard for both of them to learn their language. Uh, 
to do this exchange, it will help not just with the language. When they are exchanging their language, they are exchanging their cultures together and their experiences. And they, they, they will have the chance to know each other. Because in the, in the media and the news, they just say, ah, there is a war in Syria, they are refugees, they live their uh, countries, they are in the streets, they are hungry, they are dying, blah, blah, blah. So some of them, or there's a lot of people, they don't know who we are. Okay, I'm, I'm a Syrian too, but I'm not living in the street. I have skills, I work, uh, I, can, I can do many things. I'm not like uh, what, they, what they show them in the, in the TV, that all of the, the Syrians are homeless, or they don't know anything, they're just bag, bagging in the street. So that's why there is, there is like, you feel not just a border, there is a huge wall between us. And uh, if, well, sometimes it happened with me. Sometimes I meet some Turkish people through my job before, through my work, and we just talk normally in English. Hi, how are you? I'm Hussam, blah, blah, blah. And we, we, we talk in a, in a good subject and for a long time. And after that, they will remember to ask me where I'm from. And when, I'm, when I say I'm from Syria, they will look at me like, ah, really? Okay, nice to meet you, bye-bye. It's like, seriously? It happened not just one time or two times. Uh, this, it's, all of it, it's because of the media. Or uh, they feel that I heard something recently that uh, Erdogan is uh, giving every every uh, Syrian uh, $200 every month. So when I when I go to buy something or to just uh, have a drink with my friends, they will say like if they if they know that I'm uh, I'm Syrian, the Turkish people, they will look at me like. Oh my God, you are spending our money to go to have drinks with your friends. Taking money from the government, which is completely not true. Yeah, there is a lot of things like that. It's 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 simple, but uh, it's easy to to be uh, like to the people to spread it out and it will become uh, for them it will become true it's like yeah i mean that was my next question before you started talking about the idea of the word refugee like how how can we reframe the situation because there's probably a lot more people like you who are just trying to live your life in the fullest way and, yeah. you know, and you are being blocked because of this image that doesn't make any sense because there's all kinds of people from around the world trying to make a life in this world and there's no reason why you should be treated differently, you know? Yeah, this is why we, we don't understand it. Like through our papers, through like uh, 
like everything. I've, uh, excuse me to say that, but like to compare between a Syrian and let's say American. Uh, you know, there is a lot of foreigners in Istanbul, and there is many who who want to to live in Istanbul. Like, of course, all of us we agree that it's a beautiful city and it's very open, and you know, there is many different things in this city. But if I would go to apply for a job, for example, and I know my skills and I know that I'm very good with it, uh, they will accept the American and will not accept me because I'm just a Syrian. So it's it's crazy. I don't know why. And uh, yeah, I don't know what's like in politics. It's really crazy. Like they say, okay, they opened their country for us and we came. Okay, thanks for them, of course. But uh, if you can't take the responsibility, you don't have to do it. Like just to open the borders for the people and uh, open the borders for the people, okay, come. And there is millions of them, they, of course they will come. but. Okay, to do what? If you are not ready to to accept these people, okay, uh, for, like if I'm I'm instead of this government, I will not open the borders. If it's like this, like to humiliate the people in your country and without knowing anything, or maybe you, <laughs> maybe they know. I'm not sure. What do you do? I mean, what's the alternative? Because where, what do you do about being in Syria? Like, I mean, if you don't have anywhere to be there, how do we get around that? I don't know, but maybe if there is no other borders and we have to stuck in our country, maybe it will not be for five years. Maybe it's been fixed. You mean if more fixed. people stayed there, they would demand a change? I think so, maybe. Yeah. It's... Maybe it's not true, but I'm saying just like to... to let you understand that... Uh, it's, for now it's happened, and there is a lot of refugees in Turkey. But the government... Is, they are not doing anything for that. They just blame and uh, ask for help from outside and not giving anything. They just help the people in the camp and not inside Syria. There is a camp between, like, very close to the to the Turkish border, which is uh, served from the government, and they are maybe 300,000 of uh, refugees in, in the camps. Uh, yeah, they just give them food and uh, health care, I think. I'm not sure about it. That's and not that's, life. I mean, that, yeah. That's not a life. And that's they just, must be, they, they have to be there. Yeah. It's it's not allowed for them to, to leave the camp. So, I, it needs a lot of it's need a lot to do here for for these people, and I think at the beginning it it needs uh, to be organized 
from the government first and then from the others. It's like like us, the community centers, the organizations. They they must work all of them together to find a solution for that. Because uh, I'm sure if the situation it will continue like this, nobody will stay in Turkey. Maybe Turkish people, they want that, <laughs> too. Okay, some of them, of course. There's, um, you know, in all of uh, the countries, there's good people and bad people. It's something normal. But uh, for, for, uh, for us, it's, we, we must uh, find a solution. And uh, like if you th if you think about it, uh, why all of these people are smuggling and just to arrive to Europe or wherever? There is a, a problem. So if someone will uh, will risk himself to smuggle through the sea and to arrive to Greece and from there to to like to take this. The, the very uh, risky journey to just arrive to, you, to Europe, there must be a reason for that. It's not something, uh, okay, I want to go to Europe. So, if Turkey will not... If Turkey will not... Uh, fix the problem and not just Turkey, maybe with Europe, with uh, United Nations, wherever. So I think, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's very confusing. I don't think so. No, there is not. All of the free areas are under attacking and bombing. And there is many, many of the people just staying there because they don't want to leave. Because they know what's happening with the people who live. Like, I, I know a lot of them who are just saying, I prefer to die in my country, in my home, and not going to to be, you know, in other, in other countries. Are you in touch with friends that are doing that right now? Yeah. I have an uncle who still live in free areas. So... Do you want to start a community center because you think that's the best option to try and help yourself or the only option or why? Um, I want that because I want to, to help these people when... Uh, in this age and in this time that I have the energy to do it. Uh, 
and I, I want to just uh, encourage the others to, to do the same. Because if nobody will do this, it will become worse. And, uh, and I, I want to give a good example uh, for the people even in Europe of what we are doing in Turkey. Because also in Europe it's not, uh, it's not enough for them. Like, okay, I, I will go to Europe and the, the refugees will go to... I keep saying refugees, I'm not finding any other word to, <laughs> to describe them. Anyway, so these people, they just go to schools to learn the language and go back to the camps or to the, to the homes. So I think also it must be some centers there to, to help the government. Okay, they are well organized, but I think if there is some extra centers working with the, with the governments, it could help a lot. Because the integration is everywhere, not just in Turkey. Uh, and also to... Like, if the people will start coming to, to these centers, uh, it's about... You can give them the information and the knowledge that you have or that you wanted to, to tell them or to teach them. Uh, even if there is some very, like let's say extreme people who are extreme and religious or anything, but maybe they don't have the knowledge about it. They just got forced to do that or uh, they, they have a reaction because they lost somebody uh, like or one of their relatives got killed or something you know this this is the the results of the war you know there is extremes there is uh, like uh, trauma there's a lot of things so if you will work with uh, these people in the centers and try to to help them and uh, change their minds because I know, like for about my people, about the Syrians, I know most of them, they have the ability to get knowledge and to, to change their minds. I changed a lot in, in these three, four, four years. Okay, I wasn't a bad person, but uh, like uh, the way how you think you all the time change it and, and the way that you, you feel that here is uh, here you will be in this way you will be successful so you will change your mind to to think in a diff different way um, and I think together we can do it we can change the people we can change uh, what's going on now uh, like I was just going to ask, do you like the word displaced instead of refugee? Is that any better? Yeah, maybe. I don't know, because when you're talking about... Yeah, even players or... Yeah, I'm not... Turks, they're being displaced around... 
Yeah, of course I'm not. I don't. I I don't mean just the Syrians or. No, but I'm saying yeah. just in general, it's like um, refugees has such a a victimized connotation, and it's also really manipulative with the media. So yeah. I don't know. There's textbook definitions for refugee and internally displaced peoples and migrants and all of the different words, but it's taken on taboos. Um, one of the things that we were wondering in LA is talking about how children really are losing the culture of, that they learn in their childhood because they're being displaced out of their villages and their homes. Do you, did you find ways to kind of bring that back to them when you were working with the kids, or are there, there benefits to being able to hang out together and play and stories that you can share? Yeah, of course, but you know, I think in my opinion it will not help them because they are already displaced. So why I should stuck with my, uh, let's say, traditions and uh, customs and uh, that it was in, in my neighborhood. Like I'm in a new place, I'm in a new country, a new culture. So I have to be, I have to be here for now. It's, it, it's happened. The war started, I, displaced from my, my home, and now this kid in Turkey. So instead of uh, just sitting at home with this small family that they must keep these traditions and eat uh, the same food that they were eating in, in Syria or in any country that uh, they are from, or uh, just studying what they were studying before, it's not a good thing. It's not true. They must, if they are willing to, to continue with their lives, they must uh, follow what, what's uh, going on in, in, the, in the place that they are in now. If they are in Turkey, they have to study Turkish. They have to go to the Turkish schools. They have to play with Turkish kids. They have to learn what's, what's Turkey. Maybe the, the countries that they came from, it will not uh, survive. Maybe they will not come back there again at all. So I just stuck with the, my uh, childhood before. It's, it's not a good thing. So, and I think for, for the kids, it's really important to... The, the kids that they are in Turkey, they must go to the Turkish schools. And uh, the government allow the kids to, to be in Turkish schools, which is a good thing. Here's a positive <laughs> check for them. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I think... What I see is uh, for all of these people who, who fled and smuggled to Europe or went to anywhere, if they don't want to continue with their lives, 
they will not leave. They will not take this risk to, to arrive to Europe or to Turkey or to anywhere. So there is there is a future, I think. If you want me to talk about uh, other things, huh? Of Hassan, he was the um, the guy you kept seeing pictures of. But here, I'll show you. Uh, the beard. Yeah. Um, well, that's him painted by. Um, oh really? Yeah, um, that's all Imad. Um, this guy right here is, he is uh, living in a, they're like squatting in an apartment together. Him, Hossam, and this guy Kotaiba, who's a filmmaker. Um, but uh, yeah, Hossam was one of the people that I spent a lot of time with right there. Yeah, and that's Nibros, who's uh, also working under the table doing real estate. Um, and that's Carrie and Chelsea and their friend Adam, who's those two went to school together in Turkey. And that's Jivoli, who's um, Lithuanian, and her boyfriend, uh, who's Turkish. Um, but I don't have a picture of Kataiba. Um, but I, I know that was really long, and uh, thank you for all your patience. I just felt like I really wanted his voice to be heard. I had so many conversations with him and his friends, and so his talk just then was really after you know five weeks of getting to know each other and um, ta having really long, difficult conversations about things. So, you know, that's just one voice, but um, he's very hopeful, and I'm really inspired by his energy and all of his friends, and I want to try and figure out a way to help that population that, you know, they're just stuck. They're not, they're not refugees. They don't want to be seen like that. They're, like, really intelligent, creative, you know, hardworking, motivated folks with, uh, I mean, I have a whole other, there's a whole other 40 minutes after this of him just talking about his role in the revolution. Um, and uh, which basically when he talked about his shop getting shut down and almost dying, that was the end of that, you know. So um, anyways, it's, you know, just heavy stuff, but all within a beautiful place. Probably cut with smaller. Totally longer and you know, submit it to film festivals. Thank you.
Thank you.